Hello, this is pharmacist Tara Thompson, and welcome to the Mix It Up podcast, a show where we take you behind the counter to hear from experts in the field of pharmacy compounding and medicine and health um, and all things healthcare. So we're going to do something a little bit different um, for these next three podcasts that we're going to launch out to you guys. And we're actually going to break down the topic of allergy immunotherapy. So this is a really, really interesting area of medicine. Um, we're going to show you kind of where pharmacy plays into that and how the pharmacy team can support some of those efforts in terms of um, helping patients with their particular allergies. Um, today, we're going to talk with an expert in the field of allergy immunotherapy and give you an overview of what it is, um, how it's affecting people, patients, and how um, to implement it into your pharmacy and to your practice. Our guest today literally lives and breathes allergy immunotherapy. He is an expert in the field and is going to walk us through how some of these testing and treatments um, came to be a part of the pharmacy profession and pharmacy compounding. Um, so without further ado, thank you so much to Bob Erskine today for being on the podcast with us. Thanks. Thanks, Tara. You're welcome. Um, so Bob Erskine received his Bachelor's of Science in Microbiology from Texas A&M and completed three years postgraduate study at Harvard Medical School in the Division of Medical Sciences Immunology Program. So during his career, he actually gained extensive experience in the use of allergenic extracts for allergy skin testing and immunotherapy. He has been invited to lecture at numerous allergy fellowship training programs in the US as well as Canada. So um, Bob is actually the um, lead scientific um, liaison for innovation compounding and their Allerscripts or allergy immunotherapy program. Um, he is from Renaissance Bioscience, which is an independent consulting group that provides scientific education and training related to allergy diagnosis and immunotherapy. So I will turn it over to Bob. I'll let him give you his information um, at the end of the show. And um, that way, if you have any questions, you can certainly um, contact him. But he has so much experience in this field. We're so excited to um, have him with us today. So Bob, uh, before we get to talking all things immunotherapy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into this field. Yeah, thank you, Tara. And thank you for that really nice introduction. Um, you know, my background with allergy actually goes probably much further back to my childhood. Um, I, I grew up at a really young age with, with pretty severe allergies and asthma. Um, my mother had me tested at our regional hospital here where I live in Central Texas. And uh, it was found at that time, you know, I, I remember the doctors telling us that I was allergic to just about everything that they tested on the panel at that time. So um, it was something I definitely struggled with uh, and I still continue to struggle with even as an adult. Um, so I can recall my mother even telling stories about having to rush me to the emergency room, which was about a 45 minute drive away from where we lived uh, because we didn't have things like this was the day before. You know, days before we had uh, rescue inhalers or medicines that can control asthma. So um, I, I'm sure it's that kind of personal experience with allergies and asthma that really spurred my interest in science and, and the immune system in general. Uh, as you mentioned, in, in college, I studied microbiology and went on to focus more specifically on immunology in grad school. Uh, my early career was spent kind of toiling away in the laboratory and researching some of the you know, fundamental elements of the immune system. Uh, I, I quickly found that I, I was growing bored with working with mice. You know, I really kind of craved that, that human interaction. I really, want, I really enjoyed teaching and consulting with others about science. Uh, so it was later after my, my work in the lab that I found a company, a biopharmaceutical company that manufactures 
the drugs that we actually use for allergy skin testing and allergy immunotherapy. And I was hired as their scientific affairs manager. I had a really unique opportunity to work with allergists and ear, nose and throat specialists throughout North America. I assisted with their clinics to make sure that their allergy testing and immunotherapy protocols were closely aligned with published guidelines. Uh, one of my main takeaways from that work was just this really tremendous divergence of protocols that I saw among specialists. It was really kind of eye-opening to see how differently immunotherapy was being practiced in the US. And I've often wondered how this might impact patient outcomes or whether it can be improved upon. Um, so after my tenure in that clinical liaison role, I did some independent consulting for a while. And this is where I crossed paths with, with innovation compounding, which is where I am today. Um, it, I think it was kind of serendipitous uh, because in many ways, allergy immunotherapy really is an ideal therapeutic product for a compounding pharmacy. Uh, and perhaps maybe I found a, a very perfect situation where I can have or make more of an impact in the industry. Uh, it really has been challenging and rewarding for me, quite honestly, to work with an entirely new segment of healthcare providers who are wanting to help patients like myself who still struggle with allergies. Yeah, that, that's such an interesting background. Thank you so much for sharing. I think that, I think a, a lot of, you know, the credibility that we get from particular physicians or pharmacists or people in these types of fields is because they have experience or they've dealt with it themselves. And so it makes them more invested into the topic, into the area of medicine or into that particular therapeutic condition to where you're, in, you're invested in this because it actually happened to you. This is something that you've had to deal with you know, your entire life since you were a kid. So um, therefore learning more about it, you know, you're helping know it yourself, but then you also are so passionate about teaching it to others and, um, you know, letting them know that this is how it's, how it works and this is how we can fix it, or this is how we can start to begin to um, treat patients with these particular allergies or whatnot. So, so, so cool. Such a great story. Thank you. Um, so can you give us a little history? I want to dive right into immunotherapy, allergy immunotherapy. Can you give us a little history of how it um, came to be such an important part of how we manage and treat allergic disease and what some of that background looks like um, in terms of um, what we're doing today? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, allergy immunotherapy really has sort of an illustrious history, you know, really dating back over a hundred years. If, if we go back the very first clinical publication on allergy immunotherapy was in 1911 uh, in, in the UK, where they were literally inoculating like a vaccination with this ground up solution of grass pollen for patients that reported uh, symptoms in the summer months uh, during the grass harvest season, the hay harvest season. That's what they referred to as hay fever. That's where we get the phrase hay fever. Um, so, you know, going back all the way back to the early 1900s, where we're starting to research how to possibly reintroduce allergens and treat someone's allergies is pretty fascinating. Uh, over the following decades, you know, there were companies that came along that started to manufacture the allergens that were being used to treat uh, this condition. Uh, and all of this kind of really predates uh, things like the FDA, uh, where we now kind of rely on them to make sure that the treatments or the medications we used for, for certain diseases are safe and effective. Uh, this was, immunotherapy was actually developed very empirically by allergists themselves over the years. Uh, so it's really quite fascinating how this has evolved uh, and probably it speaks to some of that divergence I mentioned earlier that, you know, allergies all kind of do this a little differently. Um, but, you know, we now have a much deeper understanding 
about how allergy immunotherapy works. Obviously the science has really kind of caught up uh, to the practice quite a bit. Uh, there had been some kind of landmarks uh, discoveries, uh, you know, finding you know, which parts of the immune system are reacting and how that works, the molecules and the cells that are driving all of this. It's really kind of really interesting if you kind of delve into it, or at least it's interesting for me as a scientist. Um, but today, you know, we now know that allergy immunotherapy can be administered in a variety of ways. Um, obviously there's the traditional allergy shots, which are given in the arm and that's kind of given on a, a regular basis to try to desensitize the patient to the uh, allergic substances that, that cause their problems. Uh, we also have other options now. Uh, we can deliver the same immunotherapy product under the tongue sublingually. Uh, this can either be done via drops where we kind of mix up allergens together like we would for shots, or there are also these purified tablets that are on the, on the market now and FDA approved, but those are for single allergen treatment only. Um, and there's a few other options out there. There's some new developments uh, with uh, putting sort of transdermal patches or oral uh, substances that are kind of highly purified protein uh, concoctions for certain food allergens. Uh, there's actually one product on the market now for that, for peanut. Uh, so we've really come quite a long way uh, for understanding how to treat this and to, to give patients an opportunity to really uh, change the way the disease works and help their body kind of heal itself. So it's really, it's really quite awesome. That's, that's so interesting. And, you know, we often hear people talking about or claiming that they have allergies to lots of different things in the environment. And that can be um, what we'll talk about in a second about environmental allergens. We've heard of food allergies or household allergies. Um, even drug allergies. Um, I know in pharmacy, that's one of the things that we um, screen for is, do you have any allergies to drugs? Because we have to um, we have to match that up against their profile and make sure that they're not taking anything that's going to cause um, or um, activate some of those allergies in their system. So, um, can you can you help explain to our listeners what type of al allergens can be selected for immunotherapy treatment? Sure. Yeah. Obviously, there are many things that can potentially trigger an allergic reaction, but unfortunately, not everything is available for treatment. Um, really, we're looking at things that, uh, for the most part, are what we call respiratory allergens or inhalant allergens. These are the things that we typically use for, for allergy therapy. So uh, common things, obviously, people are aware of are, are pollen from, from certain plants like trees, grasses, and weeds that uh, blow through the air. Uh, we have uh, pet dander, uh, cat and dog, or what I call companion pets, uh, are very commonly treated. Uh, there are a number of other animal danders that can be, can be looked at. Typically, these are more occupational exposures. Um, and we, there's an other certain environmental uh, triggers that we commonly encounter, like uh, certain insects, like dust mites. Obviously, we hear lots of commercials from mattress companies about dust mites. Uh, cockroaches, uh, often when they get into the house or to a business, can become a real problem for people, especially those with asthma. And, and um, molds, a lot of uh, fungal species that produce spores that get into the air can really trigger allergic reactions. So those are the ones that we really focus on for treatment purposes. In a specialist office, you can also find uh, allergies that are willing to treat things like stinging insect venom, uh, so like honeybee or yellow jacket or wasp, uh, and even certain drug uh, sensitivities like penicillin or lidocaine, uh, things like that. Uh, but there may be a lot of things out there that we just simply don't have the ability to treat. Typically, we have to have a commercially manufactured product that we can mix up for a formulation. Uh, and oftentimes, there just simply isn't that option for us available to treat with. 
So it sounds like a lot of the, I guess, pollens and trees and grasses and those types of things, those particular allergens, and even like you said, the house, like the mite mold, cockroach, cat dog, those types of things can actually be sourced. And how is that? Are they diluted into solutions? I guess, um, talk to us a little bit about, this sounds like it's very personalized to the patient. Is, is that, would I be correct in saying that each patient is different? Um, is there something that can cover everyone? And then what is the role of pharmacy when it comes to making or um, designing these types of treatments? Sure, sure. Yeah. When we talk about the drug, you know, we're looking at more, more of a biologic product that comes from a natural source. Um, and whether you're a specialist or you're a compounding pharmacy that, that purchased those and, and combines those for treatment, uh, it really is um, a, a very personalized or, or tailored type of, of medical treatment. So, you know, the conventional approach to preparing immunotherapy really is to kind of perform a skin test or a blood test and really kind of determine which specific allergens are causing patients or problems. Uh, and this is how we kind of try to really tailor our approach to immunotherapy formulation. But it's, it's still, you know, that's the, kind of the most widely used approach is that sort of uh, customized treatment. Uh, unfortunately, you know, there are these test methods we have available to us really are not always 100% accurate. So customized treatments may not always be the best approach. Uh, we now believe that certain semi-custom type formulations can be similarly effective. Uh, these mixes may, you know, target specific geographic regions or maybe combine several common allergen environmental triggers for particular patients and, and what they're exposed to in their own uh, life. Uh, we also see many healthcare providers now opting for more of like a, what we call a broad spectrum mix that can try to capture many of the common allergens uh, that we're exposed to. Uh, perhaps this is good for patients who have, you know, very extensive allergic reactivity or those with a diverse exposures or who travel quite a bit. Um, so, you know, traditionally allergists kind of serve as their own compounding pharmacy. They will purchase and stock their own allergens in their office. They'll have a, a nurse or a medical assistant that will mix these up like a bartender. You know, they're kind of slinging extract all day long. Uh, this is all made in house. Uh, but however, you know, with sterile compounding regulations becoming more restrictive, uh, with patients seeking faster and more affordable access to care, you know, a licensed compounding pharmacy is now really an ideal setting for the preparation of allergy immunotherapy. So, you know, I think it is an important thing to point out that pharmacists who are familiar with allergy immunotherapy are uniquely qualified to one, you know, make sure the immunotherapy formulation is prepared following the highest industry standards. That's really, really critical. And, and two, maybe not least of which is, you know, assist the patient and their provider, their healthcare provider in selecting the appropriate allergen combinations and the treatment formulation, whether it's skip or slip, the drops or the injections. I think this is critical to make sure that the patient not only receives the correct allergens at the correct concentrations, but maybe more importantly, that the patient is fully satisfied with their treatment. Because you know, compliance really is such a crucial factor uh, in the overall success of the treatment. So, so important. And that's one of the things in that us as pharmacists, we're always thinking about compliance and patient compliance and patient adherence to their programs. And so to hear you, just reiterate that for pharmacists is so important. I know we have a lot of listeners who are pharmacists or um, pharmacy students who are going into the field. And this is something that is important to know, um, or at least know somebody who can help you make those types of decisions um, when you're talking to providers. Um, and then for our providers or our allergists who might be listening, um, knowing that you're, you have those resources to reach out to in your pharmacist, in your compounding pharmacies, should you need help, should you need, um, 
a guidelines on how to mix or what to do in your office or what do you need do you need a hood to mix under um, Bob mentioned a little bit about sterile compounding and there's a whole um, you know USP guidelines around sterile compounding so um, very important to note that you know when we all kind of come together as a team and use all of the resources that we have um, in our providers in our allergy specialists in our pharmacies that um, we can ultimately main goal um, is to increase positive patient outcomes and that they stick with their regimen. So um, thank you so much for reiterating that. That is was something we can't say enough as, um, you know, in the pharmacy field. Um, well, Bob, thank you so much for your insight today. I kind of wanted to end just on um, a note from you. What are, what is a, what should patients be on the lookout for? What should they, if if there is a patient listening today and they want to start talking to their provider about this, um, what is a question that they could ask their provider on on how to maybe see if this is the right path for them um, in starting to treat their aller their allergies? No, that's a great question. And um, you know, whether you know someone listening is is a healthcare provider or a pharmacist or a patient themselves who suffers from allergies. You know, there, there really is so much more that goes into preparing a patient's immunotherapy formulation. Um, much of it's probably beyond what most people will think to ask their, their healthcare provider. Uh, you know, things like, you know, what is the proper target concentration for each allergen? Uh, is there any cross-reactivity between different types of allergens that needs to be considered? Um, you know, is there certain compatibility issues with certain allergens? I know fungal allergens like molds and cockroach shouldn't be mixed with pollens. That, something that the average uh, allergy sufferer may not really realize when they're getting this treatment. Um, and you know, that can affect the potency of the product over time and how well it works. Of course, there's more mundane aspects like you know, how do we assign a beyond use date or expiration date to the vials that we prepare? And how do we adhere to sterile compounding guidelines? So all of that is, is, is sort of kind of behind the scenes type work that goes on that maybe a lot of people don't realize. But you know, there are a couple of things that you know, certainly I would encourage anyone to kind of think about or even ask their healthcare provider if they were in a position to consider this treatment. You know, one really is you know, what, what formulations are, are available uh, in that particular practice? You know, for example, does the office only offer the injections, the shots, or do they also offer the sublingual? Um, also, you know, who determines which allergens are being selected? You know, how is that process followed? Uh, and uh, you know, what is the rationale behind selecting the proper formulation for the patient? Uh, not all practices are gonna have an allergy specialist on staff. So you know, it's important to ask who in that office uh, is really overseeing the treatment protocols. Uh, and maybe lastly, you know, who is actually preparing the treatment? Uh, and what is that person's level of experience training? You know, that's something that may kind of get overlooked a little bit, but we kind of assume at least in an allergist office, they've got people back there that know what they're doing. Uh, but, you know, not all practices are going to have someone with that level of training and knowledge. In fact, a lot of allergy practices, even non-specialists, will outsource some of that work to third-party companies. And oftentimes these technicians don't have a lot of training or background. And in worst cases, have you know, maybe zero medical training whatsoever, which is a little bit frightening in, in certain ways. Um, but if the practice uses a compounding pharmacy, you know, it may be good to do a little research on the pharmacy, including, you know, their, their depth of knowledge on allergy and therapy. So, you know, in my personal experience, I just think it's good to, to look for a healthcare provider who is able to clearly communicate treatment options, someone who can acknowledge my concerns and certainly address any questions I have along the way. And I think this certainly holds true for allergy therapy as a treatment option as well. Absolutely. And, and some of those questions, as you were asking them, I was thinking, man, not only are these great for patients, but I mean, I, I feel like 
the pharmacy staff should be asking these questions to the providers. Providers should be asking themselves these questions to make sure that their particular program in their office is you know, of the highest quality and that they're doing everything they need to meet those needs that the patient might be wondering or might be coming to them for. So um, yeah, those are, that, that's really great. And for all of our listeners today, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we certainly feel like this has been um, very insightful on just the broad overview of allergy immunotherapy. There's so much more that we can talk about. Um, we're actually going to do two more series of this particular um, topic. We're going to talk about skit and slit therapy, and you'll learn what those mean. But basically, they're two different routes of administration for immunotherapy treatments. So um, skit being subcutaneous, slit being sublingual therapies, but you're going to hear all about those in the next one. So be sure to tune in um, if you are interested in hearing a little bit more details about the different um, specific ways that uh, patients can um, get help in this area. So Bob, we wanted to thank you so much for being on. You've been so helpful and it's so great to hear from somebody who is an expert in this field and knows about it. Um, it's hard to find good quality contact um, allergy immunotherapy specialists like yourself. So we really appreciate you. Thank you. It was a pleasure joining the podcast today. Absolutely. So um, are you on LinkedIn? Um, how do people contact you if they, if they want to get some more information about this? Sure. Yeah, I, I am on LinkedIn. I can be found under my, my name, Robert Erskine. Uh, I also can be contacted through our, our pharmacy uh, website and, and I have an email as well. So um, if anyone wants to reach out to me directly, it's just rerskine at innovationcompounding.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we will also link that um, information here for anybody who needs it. So thank you all for being here today. We hope that you took away something new on your journey to a healthy life and healthy learning. Um, we'll follow up, like I said, with two more really great allergy podcasts. So be sure to catch those. Um, if you have any questions about today's information or want to ask any um, questions for Bob or myself about what you heard today, feel free to email us um, at info, I-N-F-O, at innovationcompounding.com as well. And we'll be sure to um, address those questions. Thank you guys so much and be well.